Welcome to United Teachers of Lowell's Straight Talk Podcast. This is Amy Bisson, and I'm here with Mickey Dumont. We are the hosts of this weekly podcast produced by and for members of the United Teachers of Lowell. In our weekly podcast, you'll hear about state, local, and national issues that affect our members. You'll also hear about some of the accomplishments of our members. We will keep you up to date with news and decisions that impact all of us. This week on Episode 9, we are speaking with UTL President and AFT Mass Vice President Paul Georges about union solidarity after the Janus case was announced at the end of June. To review, the Janus case came before the Supreme Court and, in a 5-4 decision announced during the last week of the court's 2017-18 session, it was ruled that public sector unions would no longer be able to charge agency fees. Not sure what an agency fee is? We will link in this podcast blog to more information, which will also include Episode 2 of this podcast. In the hours following the Supreme Court's announcement, a suspect email blast went out to teachers' union members in several strong public sector union states, including Massachusetts, and targeting teachers here in Lowell. My Say My Pay, as the campaign is branded, is one of several nationwide efforts to dismantle public sector unions, Operating under Michigan's Mackinac Center, a right-wing think tank, the campaign has very deep pockets. Why would a Michigan group be interested in Massachusetts public sector unions? That's a good question. So, Paul, could you give us a short background on the Janus decision, uh, which was not totally unexpected by any of us? Yeah, the Janus decision has been in the works for, for a while now. Um, you know, it, it all started with a, a case called Abood versus the Detroit Board of Education back in the 1970s, 1977. Um when the Supreme Court was asked uh, to decide whether it was appropriate to pay to require non-members of unions an agency fee that reflected the service they received, even if they chose not to be union members, in the negotiation and enforcement of contract provisions. The Supreme Court decided in 77 it was totally appropriate and that any political action or other types of things would be deducted from the dues, uh, ultimately resulting in a lower dues structure, but they would indeed pay for the services they received from unions. Since then, there's been six challenges to this. Uh, Now, in 1977, it was a fairly conservative Supreme Court that made that decision. And it has been uh, challenged uh, six times, and six times Abood was found to be the appropriate mechanism. And consequently, stayed. Uh, there was no reversal of that decision. They anticipated that in 2014, a teacher in California charged the California Center, uh, I believe the California Teachers Union, and Rebecca Friedrich's challenge to that decision. And it seemed as though there was an opportunity for the right wing who wanted to, to eliminate agency fee or fair share contributions. But at the last minute, while the Supreme Court was in deliberations, Anton uh, Scalia passed away. And the end result was a 4-4 split on on the uh, Supreme Court, resulting in no change. Later, in what they, they 
a lot of people perceived uh, Fredericks as sort of the precursor of the final uh, decision with Mark Janis, who was a public sector employee, challenging again in the Supreme Court the decision that fair share was uh, legal and appropriate. Um, and the, so people anticipated at that point that this Janus decision would come down sometime in the spring of 2018. And indeed, the Supreme Court determined that at this point, fair share could not be utilized uh, for agency fee people or people who are represented by a union but chose not to be full members. The decision at, at that point uh, the right wing was was particularly interested in doing this because they felt as though unions uh, were a formidable force in opposition to their interests and consequently thought this might uh, deal a death blow to, to union activism. Uh, if employees represented by unions who did not want to be members were no longer required to pay the fair share of the cost of creating and enforcing their contract provisions. And what has happened is those right with those groups that worked to push Janus uh, as, uh, through the Supreme Court are very well, they're, they're very well funded yeah. by people who are not necessarily our friends. In fact, the Janus decision came down uh, when, when Bruce Rauner, uh, the uh, Republican governor of Illinois, gave an executive order saying that they would no longer enforce fair share provisions, bringing this uh, to, the, uh, to, to the Supreme Court. The money behind this and, and pushing this case through was the Center for Individual Rights, which is a foundation backed by plaintiffs in the Friedrichs case who saw the, this Janus case as a continuation of that. Um, the Liberty Justice Center represented plaintiffs in Janus and AFSCME. Donors of the foundation include Donors Trust, Donors Capital Fund, whose chief contributors are the Coach Brothers, the Richard and Helen DeVos Foundation of Grand Rapids. Yes, that uh, DeVos family uh, for the uh, Secretary of Education, uh, and others, uh, the Federalist Society and the National Rifle Association Freedom Action Heritage Fund. Uh, all of these groups who are very much uh, right-wing groups see unions and union activism as one of the greatest impediments to their particular agenda, which appears to me making the rich richer and putting workers in a position where they have less clout, less influence, uh, and less ability to stand up to those forces that are so well-funded by multi-billionaires in, in the United States. So this decision was not a surprise at all, given the makeup of the court. Correct, correct. Let's talk a little bit about what this decision means to public sector employees, and, and especially educators. Well, in the case, as you know, the, uh, more recently, the, the right-to-work states, and there are about half as many states uh, in the United States that are right-to-work and others who are union-organized states. Uh, the union-organized states have markedly better education systems. They're funded a lot better. Profession is appreciated more. In the right-to-work states, salaries have lagged well behind Many times uh, teachers and, and other personnel, paraprofessionals or others within the uh, educational community uh, have uh, seen wages suppressed extensively to mm -hmm. a point where many of these teachers have, have decided to just leave the profession altogether. And in many cases, in many states, as we saw this spring, many of the school districts or many of those state teachers in those states took to action by going on strike. 
to force the issue for adequate funding for their schools. Ultimately, the, the pushback is there, but the fact that they don't have the power to be able to influence policy in right-to-work right to states brings it to a critical mass, and that critical mass seems to have come to the head this, this spring. How much the impact will be on this Janus decision uh, will we'll take on, on other states where you do, we do have uh, union representation is really up to the members themselves. Probably the best advocate for, for having strong unions is having spokespeople from the states where they don't have strong unions talk about the struggle that they have to mm-hmm. they have every single day in whether it be policy or income or whether it be salary provisions or work conditions and all the rest. And I think the unions are doing a good job in informing their members about the value of being a full dues-paying union member in a time when the forces that would like to suppress wages and political influence and policy decisions have seem to have an even bigger bankroll, partially made up by the tax cuts that were that were done in the last few months, giving the wealthiest of the wealthy the greatest windfall. Uh, of those tax savings. So we're not expecting, or we're let's put it this way, we're hoping not to see a massive membership flight, and it looks like people are being thoughtful about this and being appreciative of what they do have. Well, I think what's happened, what's happened in, in, in the non-union states, and the red, if you want to put it that way, of the red states, has, I think... Uh, I think teachers in other states have observed to what degree these people have had to, what they've had to endure in order to mm-hmm. stay in a profession they love. And it does make you think when yeah. you're, you're hearing about people who have to work two and three jobs just to manage to live. Well, you know, that was kind of my criticism when I, when I first came into leadership in Lowell back in, in 92. I started working at the high school uh, several years before that, and I saw teachers that were leaving every day to go to a second job and then another job on the weekend just to keep their head above water. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were paid uh, abysmally, uh, to be totally honest. Uh, the, some of the research that had been done by some one particular member of the school committee, Mike Gallagher, was that we were in the bottom 15 percentile salary-wise, mm-hmm. and I didn't think that was fair to the people who dedicate their lives to doing the most important work there is, and that's yeah. educating the next generation. And that was part of the motivation, I think, of, of mobilizing members to push to make sure that we got a fair share so that we could retain, uh, we, we could certainly improve the quality of the education our students were getting, uh, but also retain uh, uh, retain the best teachers that we possibly right. could in that mission to, to, to educate a, di- a highly diverse and sometimes very challenging mm-hmm. uh, student population. And I think a lot of people who were around at that time appreciate the fact that it took a collective will and collective action on the part of our members to make sure that we were able to move away from that sort of abysmal start uh, at that particular time uh, when it came to compensation and working conditions and improve them directly so that we can keep the best folks in the in our system and keep attracting the best yep. people as well exactly well and we've done other things too in a teacher induction program yeah. and so on where the union was a critical played a critical role that also helps uh, we knew that there were large numbers of teachers who came into urban districts and within a few years dropped out of education altogether mm-hmm. or chose to go to uh, suburban areas where perhaps the challenge wasn't quite as great so we wanted to make sure that with the union played a part, this union played a part in uh, protecting them while they went through that sort of induction uh, period and became acclimated to what 
it requires to be a, a top quality urban educator. Paul, the very day after the Janus decision of the vote was five to four, workers across the country, and in fact, some of our own members in Lowell, received emails at their ho- at their work email places from a group called My Pay My Say. Can you tell us about what that group is and what their agenda is? Yeah, that's a Mackinac group, which is a, with a, a, a nom of the heavy-duty conservative pact uh, that backed the Supreme Court case. What they did was they infiltrated school department emails across the country uh, and sent out a message indicating for the first time or something to the effect of for the first time educators in Massachusetts can decide whether they want to pay dues or not. The idea was to impact people who were paying agency fee who were not full members and advise them how to drop their dues. In fact, they had a form letter button on their website, which, as somebody who's done a little bit of web work, they had that all set up to go moments after Janice. Yep. Yeah, and we got word the next day, next day that this had happened in a number of other places, uh, uh, and I was I had spoken uh, with the attorney for, from the school department and the superintendent uh, because it, as of that time we had not received those, but by the end of the day we had. It was sent it, totally illegally because that's a public, uh, you know, that's mm-hmm. a public domain uh, when you're using interschool email. Uh, right. Uh, sent down. There was no authorization ever given by anybody in Lowell to my knowledge, nor was there in any other community. But the intention was obviously to try to dissuade people from continuing paying dues to weaken unions so that unions could not be as effective as they had been in the past. Um, the the commitment, what I've understood uh, from both AFT and, and uh, American Federation of Teachers Massachusetts and uh, MTA, the Mass Teachers Association, is there has been little response by most members about uh, about that that particular proposal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think educators understand well enough that they have been served well and their students have been served well by unions representing them and in, in the, the weakening their own union is, is weakening their own hand uh, in so many of these cases. In the case of Lowell, we have no agency fee people. Everybody is 100% union member. Mm-hmm. We've got very little actual discussion uh, heard from members about this at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, our hope is that people remember the his sense of history, who came before them, what they sacrificed in order to get them what they have now, um, and realize that uh, that uh, they, they have to be strong. But I do understand the other side trying to make the argument, and I understand why they want to do it. When you talk about multi-millionaires and billionaires, you're talking about the Koch brothers, or you're talking about the DeVos family, or you're talking about the Walton family, Foundation in those people. They are formidable because they have plenty of money. Mm-hmm. They have amassed fortunes over a period of time. And the only formidable opponent they have out there is organized labor, particularly public sector organized labor. Now, I, I do want to premise this too. The idea of union dues and all that sort of stuff in agency fee is for public sector employees. It's right. not the private sector world. It's a different... But they are impacted every time public sector units become less effective or lose power. That obviously is an attack on them, too, indirectly. But the fact of the matter is there's a moral, and I kind of look at it as as a moral obligation to be able to fight for working families, whether they're union members or not. 
And if, if the right wing in these foundations that are so well funded are effective at weakening public sector unions, it will, it will have an impact on workers across this country, whether union or not. There are some actions we think UTL members could take if they are annoyed by the My Pay My Say emails. One is you could uh, set up a rule to block the email by putting sure. it in a junk folder. You simply delete it and not pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that the technology department in the school system, if their email server is getting flooded with right. these emails, will deal with that on a more system-wide basis. They can they can put filters, um, and we would advise them to do that because mm-hmm. if you end up with a group like the, the, the Mackinac group uh, being able to infiltrate your, your filter, your system email, what's to stop anybody else from doing exactly. the same thing? Um, my understanding is it's not that complex to get into that uh, system-wide email, but it could potentially be disastrous if you, if some pranksters wanted to do, you know, utilize that, that, sure. that sure. communications network and reach so many members, so many uh, so many employees at one particular time to mislead them into something that they may not, yeah. you know. But our hope is that they will they will try to put some kind of filter system so that people won't be bothered by these things. And if there if there are people who want to discuss this with us, they can certainly always call call the union. We'll have a, dis- a, a discussion with yep. them. Uh, what have you heard about the Mackinac folks actually going up to workers' homes and knocking on their door? They're doing that in some cases where they can get the public information about where a person lives. They are in some cases canvassing and going up and trying to convince people. Um, to drop their membership in unions, and the way they, they of course, the way they they portray this is my pay, my say. Yeah. The mm-hmm. fact of the matter is, though, I think teachers just generally have a sense of decency and fairness, and realize that if being represented aggressively by their union, even if they're not a union member. There should be some kind of obligation for paying for that service, so that you don't have free riders. Mm-hmm. One of the one of the the reasons that the Supreme Court back in seventy seven said fair share should be the the, the the rule of the land is to promote labor harmony right. within the workplace, so that you didn't have somebody who was paying nothing and somebody else that was paying yeah. full dues. Yeah. Um, that's just plain fairness and decency, and I think most people understand that. Um, you don't get something for free, and maybe in a lot of ways, I, I guess. Uh, it depends on you know. It depends on the perspective of the of the person, um, but I find teachers to be fair-minded and generous in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. and not short-sighted. I agree. Because you have to. It's look, being an educator is game is is really an act of faith. Mm-hmm. Very often we don't see the end results of our efforts with kids until long after they've graduated high school, and they they're someplace in that K to twelve sort of you know when we meet them and get to know them. And they move from there. And very often we don't really get a great thank you until years and years yeah, later. Right. But people have a sense of fairness and, 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 and a sense of, of making a difference. And educators have to understand, employees have to understand that if you don't have effective leadership or don't have effective unions, your ability to carry that mission becomes greatly diminished. I have to ask you this question. I've heard that Mark Janice, the complainant in this case, is no longer an AFSCME employee. That's right. He's a spokesperson for one of the right-wing think tanks. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure he is making a fortune trying to convince other people. Yeah. Now, to do what he did. And he benefited... Uh, 
he benefited tremendously from his AFSCME affiliation uh, over that period of time. They, they had regular salary increases. He was able to maintain good health insurance and so yeah. on. Decent pension. Decent mm-hmm. pension. Yeah. But as you know, uh, well, and instead of thanking his union for doing that, he, he, t- he took a different path. Um, let's hope there's not more Mark Janices in the world. Yeah. I would guess not in education, at least. (laughs) So we've been talking with Paul this morning about what happened with the Janus case itself, because the last time we talked to you, Paul, we were gearing up for the decision. And even though we knew it was coming down and we're pretty sure we knew what it would be. We we wanted to be pleasantly surprised, and I would say that that did not happen. (laughs) uh, But we've been talking to Paul about some of the things that have happened since Janice, and we certainly will keep our members up to date with uh, new and breaking information about that. We thank Paul for this information this morning, and there's some information on the bottom of the blog about what members can and should do should they receive a large amount of these emailings or are approached by uh, people at their homes in particular or their workplaces. And uh, for more information about the Mackinac Center and their agenda, please be sure to take a look at the links on our podcast blog page. We're also including several issue analysis and news articles that we think members will find informative on this issue. Again, we thank you, our listeners, for tuning into this episode. We welcome your comments and your feedback. If you have suggestions for future podcasts, send us an email at utlstraighttalk at gmail.com. Until next time, this is Amy Bisson and Nikki Dumont wishing you a great week. 